Today's episode is brought to you by Airbnb. You might already have an Airbnb and it might be worth more than you think. Visit airbnb.com.au slash host to find out more. We don't have time for this. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where we make this podcast, the Garigal and the Gyramangal people. We pay our respects to all First Nation elders, past, present and emerging. So something snuck up on me and I don't know how I feel about it and I need to talk about it on the podcast. Talk, go, go, girl, go. We're here for you. Thank you. Thank you for holding space. <laughs> so overnight, mm-hmm. Rafa has gone from calling me mama mm-hmm. to mum. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that sympathetic Oh, <laughs> because I, my reaction felt unjustified. My reaction was, no, I'm mama. Mm. Don't, no, I don't, I'm not ready to be mum. Mm. Like I'm not ready for you to grow up. Like mum is like for older kids. Mum, give me some meatloaf. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I sat down and I had a chat with her because I was so shocked. I was like, oh, did you just call me mum? And she's like, but you are my mum. Oh. And I was like, no, I know, I know you're my mum, but you call me mama. <laughs> And then Rafa goes, oh, yeah, sorry, mum. And I was like, hold the phone. Can we, <laughs> like, you just call me mum again. I've never heard you call me that. Can, Are you can, sure she's never done it? She's never done it, right? Oh, it was so pronounced. Okay. And so when I said to her, oh, and then I felt really immature. Yeah. But I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, can you go back to calling me mama? <laughs> she goes, okay, I'll try to remember. I just guess I'll forget sometimes. Oh. And I was like, that's okay, baby. Just don't do it ever again. <laughs> Anyway, and then she keeps calling me mum. Yeah. And then she self-corrects, but she doesn't correct to go, hey, mum, I mean mama. She goes, hey, mum, oh, I forgot again, didn't I? And I'm like, this is awkward. I should just let you call me what yeah. you want to fucking call me. It's, it's going to happen at some point. It's not point. like you're calling me Gemma. Oh, well, you remember Isla called me Kate before she called me even mummy. So weird. Because my ex-husband used to call me Kate. He never did the like, ask mummy or go to mummy. or any- He never, ever did that. Apparently some people hate that. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's, I guess it like inside your relationship, it's like, don't call me mum. Yeah. Just, I'm your wifey. I call hubs daddy, not me personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be like, yeah. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> or do I? <laughs> hey, daddy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember when it happened for me. I get everything though. She might still call you mama sometimes mm. and mum sometimes, but yeah, it is a real aging up thing. I guess I can't figure out if I'm sad because I'm like, oh, here we are mm. in a new stage or if I'm like cringe getting the ick because I do think of that mom mom and I dread mom but yeah it sounds a bit like that yeah it's also bluey right mom dad should we start the episode I think it's time we have a thousand things to do but we'd rather chat to you With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. Hello and welcome to We Don't Have Time For This. I'm your host, Gemma Pranita, a.k.a. Gemma Peanut on the gram, along with my co-host, Kate Reeves. Hi, folks. How are we all out there on this uh, fine Tuesday? I'm going to answer on behalf of the DLs <laughs> and say everyone is fine. It's a shame it's not chat back radio. <sighs> so I had an interesting conversation with a friend and it, it wasn't like she was divulging anything spectacularly new or spilling the tea or, you know, yeah. but she just casually said, oh, I'm 
I'm a single-use towel person. What? And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I can only use a towel once. Oh. And then it has to be washed. I And I and I was like, hold up. So you have to use a fresh towel. She's like, yep, after every shower. <gasps> Hotel and, vibes. Yes. And I was shooketh. How did this come up? <laughs> This is an excellent question and one I do not uh, – Revs, conversations – Yeah. You know how – And there's like, kids running around. Can I reflect yeah. on our chats? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. we do so many odd turns and end up in another country. You can apply how did this come up to pretty much everything we've ever discussed. I mean, how did our podcast come yeah, to yeah, be? Yeah, yeah. You know, a random conversation Fair one enough. day. Anyway, it just made me wonder, am I just – Drying myself in filth? No, because you're spanking clean. Right? Yeah, you've just washed. Like you're never going to be cleaner. Mm. Like any minute more and you're more dirty. But you are so clean when you come in the shower. So I asked her this and she said, no, once it's used, it's dirty. And I said this. I was like, but you are squeakers. It's just water off your body. And she was like, no, I can't. I feel it's wasteful. And she admitted that. Okay, okay. But she said it's my toxic trait and I can't fix it. So let me ask you this. How frequently? do you wash your towels once a week without fail yeah and I would not normally know that data but I now know how much I wash my towels and my sheets and my kids sheets because I have this split custody week I have a reset day Mm. which is Monday and I do all of that stuff so good so I do everything on a Monday as I start the whole week fresh with fresh everything fresh loaded towels fresh sheets on the bed fresh pillowcases everything okay so it's just me and hubs who are a bit skanky why how long do you leave your towels I I reckon in some cases a month. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. Okay, that's like the other end of the spectrum. That's fucking disgusting. But hang on, why? Because you're still like patting your asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And in that time you're going to have your period. Okay, period towels, 100p. Yeah, straight in the bin. Straight in the bin. the wash. (laughs) Yeah, no. Burn that shit. Maybe that's my cue when I do my towel wash. When you get your period. My monthly towel wash. Okay, so every 28 days. (laughs) Yep. No, that's feral. <laughs> is it? Yeah. But is Because it? also when they get a bit wet and then you use it again and it's a bit wet and I use it again, it's a mildewy vibe. Okay. So Unless all of a sudden a... it's like the squeaky clean body out of the shower. I think your friend's bullshit. I think you're bullshit. I think it's, <laughs> I'm perfect at <laughs> <laughs> one week, <laughs> which what is about probably about six showers. Yeah. Which even that is probably pushing it. Really? Six showers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, sorry, can we just rewind to when you said, like, pat your bum hole? Yeah, like, you might just come out of the water, but let's be honest, sometimes you pat your asshole. I don't. And it's not squeaky. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> what are we uncovering here? I don't. And maybe this is why I'm audacious enough to use my towels for a month. Because that part of the towel, then you might use on your face next time, you know? I don't touch my asshole. What do you mean? I pat my cheek. Yeah, and you just let your butthole air dry. I do. I let the undies catch the rest of the moisture. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> literally hearing you say you pat your asshole, <laughs> you your do. bum hole. No, I definitely don't. Okay, oh, talk. So talk. you don't do a thorough dry. No, I'm a real like scrub across the back. Yeah, pat down my legs. Yep. Done. I don't even pat my vagina oh. dry. Aren't you just a bit wet while you're in? <laughs> like it might like <laughs> a bit squelchy. No, I think it might cop a sweep of the towel. Copper sweep. <laughs> like as I'm drying the other parts of my body, but I don't actively, I don't like get in there and rub it. Dry. I don't get in there and rub it. Either. This <laughs> is my vision of you with your anus. You know, I'm like literally picturing you rubbing that little anus dry. No, I just like patting it. I get every crevice dry. I don't. Yeah, 
right. Mm. right. Well, there you go. DL's. <laughs> what's what's your towel regime? <laughs> yeah, better question. What the fuck's happened? <sighs> oh, my God. Just a month feels skankalicious, like skanky. Sure. But I stand by it. So but my boyfriend go. is a almost single use as well, so <sighs> I find no. that weird. I'm like, well, are you a bit germaphobic? Okay, what's his reason? Doesn't have one, haven't really. Yeah, he's just so has he got, once, has he got like six other bath towels like lined up ready to go because it fills yeah, up your laundry basket yeah. do you know what i do wash frequently though pool towels okay that is like why no, chlorine because you're worried about the towel i think it stinks oh. i would hate to pick up a towel even if it's dry i can smell the chlorine oh yeah okay see i would have thought you can let them go longer because no. you're not dirty and it's and nah. chlorine's kind of sterilized nah but it stinks oh. it's gross okay. i don't know <laughs> over here do you use fabric softener no do no you? i definitely do i love it okay i got back into it when i had a baby because i got all my cousins hand me down little girls clothes when mm. i had isla and i was like why does this bag of clothes smell like you're my mum? like <laughs> what is so comforting about this bag of clothes and she goes oh it's uh rosy blush and i was like what is rosy blush it's a flavor mm. of that woolies you fabric know fabric softener, softener. Yeah. and it smells like a hug and ever since then i'm like well every single load of washing needs rosy blush okay yeah. it's been a while for me i add a scoop of gold vanish yep, okay. powder with every wash because my kids are dirty daycare divas if you're still with us <laughs> yeah i know i don't blame you if you're not do you know what i don't have time for what don't you have time for all right, so this is a – it's a thing. I feel like both of our no times sit in the discomfort space. Yes. Would you agree? Yes, I would. Okay, take it away, Revzy. So for context, mm-hmm. as my mate Chum would say, daily I get around three to five DMs mm-hmm. and we get them in the podcast as well of DLs or people on Instagram writing to me asking me, when did you know your marriage was over? Because here's my situation. And they give me their scenario mm. and they're asking me to basically diagnose their dead marriage. I feel like they're asking you for permission to leave their marriage. It could be that. So the reason I'm not cranky because I'm not calling it a trauma dump or any of those things is because I totally understand that these women are desperate. Like to get to this point when you're reaching out to someone, you are in a pretty like confused state. It's scary. There is not a lot of resources out there and you maybe can't talk to your closest people yet because socially, socially you might be intertwined. Yep. And, you know, you might not be ready to leave or want to leave and you might be seriously confused. So I just want to say I really understand why people come to me because there really aren't a lot of people out there talking about this stuff. But I have to say something. First of all, and I've said this before, I'm never going to talk about my particular story about the end of my marriage because it's not just my story to tell. There are many other people involved, including my ex-husband, including my kids. Mm. It's my family. And sure, I could share my perspective and my version of the story, but it would be taken as truth with no right of reply. And Gem and I have discussed this before. It's not classy. It's not fair. So I'm not going to do it. But also what happened for me and what meant I knew it was over is going to be so different to what it is for any other relationship. Mm. We all know like relationships are so nuanced, intricate, different, 
personal. Well, put it this way, Revzi. If nearly 50% of the married population are divorced, mm. there are going to be endless versions. I mean, there will, might be even two people with semi-identical narratives, but it come at it mm. at such different times in their lives, in different ways. Yes. The outcome of their relationship with their ex-partners could be different, even though the reasons for leaving are the same. Yeah. So it's impossible for you to speak on behalf of anything other than your own experience yeah. but it's hard for you when you're getting these dms because you obviously extend enormous empathy I do, and i don't want to leave these women in the lurch no. because i've been there you know and i know how desperate it feels mm. and how much you feel like there must be someone out there to guide me yeah. with this thing but i'm just trying to give context in this way it's like asking you how did you know your husband was the, the one? one you know it's such a first of all kind of a weird question and can anyone really answer it like did you have a moment when you were like yep this is him he's the one mm. you know like mm. it's very very personal it's so personality oh 100% based. because some people will have a very romantic mm-hmm. pov mm-hmm. of why their husband was the one and other people might have a really pragmatic yep. response and i do think that when it comes to ending a marriage there's a whole myriad of reasons and temperatures mm. behind why someone leaves mm, absolutely and i'm really really comfortable talking about life as a single mom navigating separation and divorce, dating after divorce, managing all those. I'm so happy to talk about that because that's just my life and my lived experience and my story. And I do want to make that space for women who are going through it, but I can't diagnose your relationship. I just can't. I'm not inside it and I can't really help. No. And it's also not your job to make the call on whether or not the death knell yeah. has rung on their marriage yeah. and that they should call time. Yeah. So can I ask you, what do you say yeah in response it depends what my energy level is like like if I feel that's a big energy exchange it can be so sometimes I have like I'm just sitting on the couch and something hits my dms and I'm like oh god and I can just you know have a back and forth and sometimes I just can't and I'll just leave it because sometimes you've had a really hard week yeah exactly you know managing the challenges of co-parenting or yeah single motherhood like it comes with a lot of um speed humps and that colors what I would say yeah and that's not really fair I'm totally depending on the yeah. day you'd be like don't leave I might be like don't fucking leave you yeah. just don't want to do this it's yeah. the hardest fucking thing I've ever done just stay put and just find your joy elsewhere <laughs> <laughs> like, and then other times other times I'd be like life's too short to be miserable go find your truth you yeah. know so, like I'm not a good source <laughs> All I just want to say is, though, if you are one of those people, do seek out the support. I don't want to, like, shut down the seeking of support. Of course not. Like, it's so important so that you don't act out and, like, act like a fucking idiot like I did. You do need to find. Okay. Can I get practical for a second? Yes. So what would a first step look like? Psychologist. You need a psychologist. And I know that is expensive and exhausting and arduous and there's many steps involved and it's hard to get in to see them and all those things but please invest in yourself and if you have kids your kids by finding a psychologist so I've just recently gone through this journey because I'm working with a psychologist myself to manage my own stress and anxiety that has really crept up on me over the last two years and I've kind of denied that it's a thing Mm. and then I think one day I had a breakdown to revs and I was like okay I'm just not coping but I like to pretend that I can manage something myself but on this occasion I think I just need to get help yeah. because I feel overwhelmed 
all the time and that's just not my personality. That was the big thing, I think. I think that's a really interesting thing to call out now because you have lots of friends that you can confide in. You have lots of personal support. A psychologist is really different in that they're objective and they help you get tools. And I am working specifically. What's been really cool is, okay, so sorry, I'm not trying to make this episode about me, but I just thought this might be helpful is is that you get a certain amount of money back through Medicare for a certain amount of sessions. Mm -hmm. And currently it's six, six sessions. Sometimes it's 10, like moves around. Do you know what's caught me off guard is how expensive sessions are. So then I went to a GP, she assessed me on my stress, anxiety, overwhelm. She tested me for depression. I don't have depression, but I'm definitely highly anxious. And like I said, out of the norm for me, I don't live with anxiety and suddenly I've noticed that I am. Then she matched me with a clinic that's local to my area. And then I called the clinic. This is how many steps it's been. I still haven't had my first appointment and this has been ongoing forever. But basically I called the clinic and then they're like, okay, so next week I booked you in for a briefing call to find out who to match you with, Mm. which psychologist within our clinic. And part of me was like, oh, just get me in with someone. But then the other half of me is like, oh no, I want to be matched with the correct person. It's an investment. Absolutely. So anyway, but it it is a time. So I did that call and it went really well. And the thing that kind of rung bells for her was when I said, I'm so scattered Mm. and it's so out of character that at times, and it's more often than not, I struggle to read one email to Mm. completion. That was when I was like, what is wrong with me? Mm. I've become a bitzer. Mm. I'll do a bit of this, a bit of that. And I accomplish nothing and I Mm. don't feel like I'm being productive or getting anything done. And I know some people will roll their eyes and go, but on Instagram, you look so productive. Mm. Mm. Sure. On the surface. Great. I look that way. I have a team to support me, but me personally, I'm like, something's not right. Like I can't finish a fucking email. Like what is wrong with my brain? So anyway, I've been paired up with a specialist who specializes in that kind of stress management where it impacts the hardwiring of your brain, where you don't feel like you can focus anymore. Anyway, I digress massively. No, you don't. Because if you are struggling in your marriage Mm -hmm. or major relationship and you have children, that's a specialist area. Like it might be very common, but it's specialist. And if you don't have a friend who's been through it yet, or even if you do, but it's a completely different circumstance. Like, you know, I've got two chicks in my witch's coven, I call it my like divorced chicks who we speak almost daily. We're like, they're not friends with each other. They're just my two people. Their stories are vastly different to mine. Like they know mine intimately. I know theirs intimately, but like no two issues seem to be the same. Mm. We just understand each other from a like, oh, I get that because blah, blah, blah from the inside. But our scenarios are really, really different. Mm. And also not just like the fact that you're divorced, but your current scenarios are so different. Like I know one of your friends remarried remarried and has had a baby with her new partner in the short time since her and her ex relationship ended. And then your other friend, again, another set of circumstances. Totally. Yeah. So what a psychologist will do is they're not comparing their scenario to yours. Mm. They're not afraid, like, because a lot of, you know, speaking to your married friends, it'll be tricky because they might be afraid by your thoughts and feelings or they might want to fix it for you. A psychologist is not going to want to fix it for you. They're not going to be afraid. They're not going to apply their experience. Well, in my marriage, it's not going to be that. Yeah, it's not through a lens, a particular lens. It's 
it's like clinical, mm. you know, like well, not clinical. They can be really warm and helpful, but they get it. They've seen it before, which I find comforting. They've seen it all before and you can be really honest with them in a way you can't to the friends sometimes. Basically, they'll help you arrive at your own decision, totally. but it's very guided. That would be my absolute suggestion. Mm. It's like, please, please spend the time investing in that. Because you're so right, Revzy, with friends sometimes they project. Yeah. Yeah. We all do it. Yeah. We all do it. And it's not anyone's fault. No, it's It's, natural. Yeah. And the thing is, is a consideration of divorce is change and it's scary and it means things won't look like how they did. Yeah. And sometimes people in your inner circle struggle to accept that information because then it's like, well, are things going to change for me? Yeah. Like that can happen to people as well. It can be really, really scary for Mm. people. And then you're not going to get support from that place no you know? well, it's not helpful it's not support. helpful support yeah. yeah anyway I just want to say I don't I'm not trying to like discourage anyone from reaching out to me about single mum life or post-divorce life or any of those things like we need more chat about that stuff for everyone even people who will never go through it because we need to know about it and think about those people in our community who are going through it but in terms of is it right or time for you to leave it, you can't answer it, that. no one can answer that for you but you and your partner I guess. Mm. Oh. Yeah, big one. What do you get? You get asked a lot of things in your DMs. Dude, if I get asked one more time where I got my kids' iPad covers from and where their <laughs> wireless headphones are from, let me put it here right now on the podcast. They're Belkin kids' wireless headphones from Big W. The iPad covers are from those random phone stores that you see dotted all over malls. Yeah. You know, you know those ones where it's those like pop up ones in the middle yeah. of the Westfield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. ones. <laughs> Weirdly, that's what you get. That is my most common FAQ. Oh my God. Look, I do get a lot of how do you do it all? And I hate Mm. that that's the perception of me. It really bothers me. And maybe that's my own fault. Maybe Mm. that's what I project. But I've had a very long relationship with Instagram. I've gone through different incarnations, different career paths, and have maintained, I guess, a profile on Instagram or whatever you want to call it. But in the last few years, definitely, I'm like, I'm just going to do me. Yeah. And I'm just going to share the parts I want to and not share the parts I don't want to. But it upsets me because I feel like, am I doing a disservice Mm. to women and mums, especially where I give off the vibe of that I'm doing it all because I'm definitely like, listen to me. I literally just shared that I'm meeting with a psychologist to manage my own stress. Like it's not all golden guys. It's a juggle. Are there areas of my life that are going well? Definitely. Are there areas that aren't? 100%. But I don't know anyone who's like... I'm killing it as a mum. Tick. My career is awesome. Tick. My relationship with my husband is on top. Tick. Yeah. My relationship with my parents is... No, they all take turns. Yes. (laughs) That's it. And it's like they get together in a little Zoom chat, the different categories Mm. of your life, and are like, all right, whose turn is it to flare up this week? Yeah. Career? Go for it. You're up. (laughs) You know, and then next week it's like, relationship, you're next. (laughs) And I know it's cheesy, but I've shared this on an AMA on my Instagram where someone's like, how do you, you know, can you do it all? And I said, well, you can have it all, but just not at the same time no way and I still stand by that like have the aspirations have the ambitions have the goals but just know that things might take a bit longer when you're in the early years of motherhood or you know maybe you're not able to be as present with 
with your kids as you hope right now because you're hustling on a startup, but that's okay because that might pay off and then you will get to put time back into your kids at different ages. I mean, I've talked on the podcast before about how I have personal goals about really stripping back from work when my kids are in high school. Mm. And to some people that would be so odd. It's like, what? What do you mean? That's when they're so independent. But I know for me personally, that's when I want to be even more present. But then I get the guilt and I judge myself again because then are people going to think I'm not present with my kids currently? Ah, I don't know. This whole Don't worry about what people think. You're right. Just speak your truth, girl. Well, that's what I do. The truth is she does a version of doing it all and she needs a psychologist to help her manage the absolute anxiety that comes with trying to do it all. And she knows she can't do it all at once. No, cannot. Yeah. Oh, man. Life. Oh, life. Oh, life. The worst song ever written, but just like so applicable to the podcast and what we talk about here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) That statement. The worst song ever. No, do you know what the worst song ever written is? Oh, The Vanguard bus is coming and everybody's jumping. Thanks so much. New York to San Francisco. I mean, it's three notes, maybe four at best. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) It's just awful. Like, hello. Afraid of the. I know, but it's rather have a piece of toast, watch the evening news live. Dude, have you listened to some of Ed Sheeran's lyrics? Are they bad? No, they're incredible, but it's that kind of observational, conversational style lyric. You think have a piece of toast, watch the (laughs) evening news? Like that is so something you would hear in an Ed Sheeran song. No way. Hungy P. Disagree. Closet Desiree fan over here. (laughs) She was a one hit wonder, right? I think so. Were there any other songs? Don't think. I don't know. Name a Desiree song. Life. (laughs) Revzy, there is a lot of chat amongst the DLs about travel hacks for this year. There is. Mm. Everyone's trying to work out when to take leave, how to fit everything into the family budget. Well, I know that a lot of DLs are thinking about using their home as an Airbnb to help fund some travel this year. And I was remembering the time that I used to do that. That's right. When you lived in the States, you did that. I did. I used to Airbnb my apartment when I went to visit Hubs, who Mm. lived in another city at the time, and it went towards paying for my trip. Smart. Well, it is smart. Rather than just leaving my place to sit there empty, I put it on Airbnb and earned some extra cash. While travelling. Exactly. While travelling. DLs, you may already have an Airbnb and your home might actually be worth more than you think. Find out more about becoming an Airbnb host at airbnb.com.au slash host. Such a smart idea. Do you know what I don't have time for? What don't you have time for? My own internalised racial biases. Okay. I know. Because this this app was so light and fluffy. <laughs> I know. And I realise that that sentence sounds very clickbaity mm-hmm. and I don't mean for it to be, but I don't even know how to start this chat because I have no concrete thoughts on it. It's going to be messy. Yeah. Can I just, just talk it out like I'm in a room with my bestie Yes. and I don't even know how I fully feel about it, but it's something that's been niggling at me. Hit us. How would you start this chat, Rev? Well, tell me about the eye colour. Okay, so... <sighs> This is going to sound so weird to some DLs, but I know in my heart of okay, heart. Okay, can we stop with the preamble? Can you just tell us how you feel? For context. <laughs> so there's someone that I follow on Instagram. She is like a quintessential Australian blonde bombshell. Mm-hmm. Hot as hell. She ticks all the box of what we would say is conventionally beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
And her husband is from South Africa, also stunning, beautiful guy. He's got dreadlocks, beautiful, deep, dark olive skin. Now, there is point to this story, I promise. But basically, her kids have more inherited his coloring mm-hmm. rather than hers, which mm-hmm. is expected. But she shared on Instagram, I don't know why it just got me. It just broke my heart. But basically, one day her daughter was watching an animation and she saw a representation of herself mirrored back to her. And the character in the animation was basically killing it, achieving great things, kicking goals, all that kind of stuff. And she turned to her mum and said, if she can do it, I can do it too. And basically she shared how it touched her heart to see her daughter have that revelation because obviously it's been a struggle for her growing up in Australia. Mm -hmm. And I think they live in an especially Caucasian Mm -hmm. little pocket in New South Wales. And I messaged her instantly. I was like, oh my God, this resonated with me so heavily as a kid. Mm. Can I ask you, how does your daughter feel about the fact that you are blonde and blue eyed? Out of curiosity, she wrote, back straight away she was like oh my god it's so interesting that you say that because she is upset that she doesn't look like me Mm. and I remember feeling that way towards my mum growing up that my mum was blonde and blue-eyed and I was like I want to look like her and you know I had an identity crisis for so long and Revs will even attest to this like in high school Mm. if someone drew me I hated it if I didn't look Caucasian Mm. but I know that that's you know how people view me yeah you thought you could fool people (laughs) well I don't know what I thought, yeah. but it was yeah, like, yeah. it was like, like, yeah, I just, just so confused. Yeah. I feel even bad saying this now because I've done so much work on mm. myself to get to a place of such pride over my cultural heritage, mm. my Thai upbringing and my Thai side of the family and all this rich history that I have. But moving to Australia made me ashamed of it. Mm. But then on top of that, I have a mum that fits into this beautiful box. There's an otherness there living in Australia and there's an otherness in your own family unit as well. Yes. Yeah. But I also went to Thai school mm. in Thailand before I went to international school and I was different again there. Because you were half white. Because I was half white and I went to school with these full Thai kids and they treated me again that otherness Mm. I was that then Mm. as well anyway what I found really interesting chatting to this other mama about her daughter was I said yeah it's interesting isn't it because I know Rafa doesn't want to look like me because Rafa loves her blue eyes and blonde hair oh whoa I did not see that coming Mm. okay because Rafa doesn't feel the otherness feelings. She feels like she's exactly what society wants her to be, I guess. And then it made me reflect even deeper where I was like, hmm, you know what's interesting? People put blue eyes on a pedestal. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You hear it all the time really casually. Oh, I hope she gets blue eyes. All the time. Oh, look, he got the blue eyes. Yeah. Like it's this yeah. like major status. Yeah. 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 When it's- actually it's a recessive gene and it's weakness. <laughs> sure. But then genetically it's-, it's a weakness. But it's still like a coveted Mm, thing. mm -hmm. I don't hear blue-eyed people go, oh, I trade my blue eyes Mm -hmm. to have brown. Mm -hmm. I hear the opposite. Oh, I've literally said to a makeup artist before, like, can you make my eyes pop? Like, what colour will bring out my blue eye? You know? Well, as a photographer in editing, I do the same. Yeah. Because parents say, yeah, can you make her blue eyes pop? 
And so I can and I do. But you can't do as much with brown eyes because it doesn't reflect light Mm. in the same way as blue eyes do. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But what I found really curious is like I know a lot of Eurasian people. You know, we just find each other. We connect. It's like, yeah, you're like a third culture kid like me as well. You know, we're Hapa babies Mm -hmm. is the nickname. You understand each other. Hanji P. Yeah. And those people have started to have babies And what I find really interesting, and I say this with no judgment and it's going to come across judgy, but it's more of an observation. It's like they've made comments about their kids getting the blue eyes. Mm, The whiteness. Yes. Yeah. As a status thing, as a, like they're excited about it. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Mm. Because you're adding to the problem. Yeah. Is it because it's novel, because it's not the same as what you had? Or is it something deeper and darker? And that's what I mean by internal bias. Yes. So do you have that? Like when your kids were born, were you like, oh my God, they've got the light eyes and the light hair. Like how cool, you know, did you have an internalized? I felt mixed if I'm honest. So when Rafa was born, she had black eyes Mm -hmm. and jet black hair, shocking black hair. Pocket bestie, I called her. Yeah. (laughs) And no joke, when my mum walked into the delivery room straight after I gave birth, she looked at Rafa and went, oh my God, I'm having an out-of-body experience because it's like I'm looking at you when you were born. And I was like, it's a mini me and I was really I don't even know if I was stoked I was like well of course yeah yeah I I grew it made made sense it made sense I grew this person and then somewhere around the six month mark well actually it was around the three month mark her eyes started to turn blue and I told my husband he was smoking crack when he said I think her eyes are turning blue I was like what (laughs) no he was right they were and then around the six month mark her hair grew out blonde yeah for a while she had jet black tips remember we called it reverse balayage yeah and, and then like the, bleached out. It bleached out. Yeah. And she didn't have hair loss. She, you know, how yeah. some babies lose their first set and of And then it all grows back. Grows yeah. out. No, hers grew out. Yeah. And then the black tips, yeah, self-bleached. So I remember thinking it was novel. Mm. Like I was like, oh, my God, this is cool. Mm. Like I've got a blue-eyed kid. Now she's blonde. Like mm. what the heck? Like I was more fascinated by genes. And then my mum jokes going, oh, this is the kid that I always thought I would have. Yeah. Because it's, Rafa's looks a lot like my mum, I yeah. suppose. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I, but I, I, I know what you're trying to I say. I feel like I'm just rambling and I feel uncomfortable. Can because, I help you? Yes. I know what you're trying to say is like, why is still in 2023 mm. the straight Caucasian ideal of beauty the preference for parents I guess with kids and why is it like oh she's so lucky like and a bit of relief you Mm. know if the kid's whiteness comes through stronger or there's the other gross spectrum of people fetishizing the black or Asian or other genes coming through stronger like going oh how exotic you know Mm. like this is a very Australian problem Mm. this is like we are so white in Australia we are so white particularly where we live Mm. And you're right. When you're talking about things like representation, like there's not a whole lot of it. it fucking matters. And is it about status? Like, oh, I'm so glad he got the green eyes or whatever. Or is it like, oh, everything's going to be easier for him. And I'm so glad he's not going to have my experience of just feeling other. Or is it both of those things? Mm. Could it be both? Or is it just that we still are holding up Caucasian white genes as like the preference? We do. Yeah. Like even one of my friends who lives in Asia, her first kid came out her colouring. She's half Asian, by the way, so she looks 
I guess like me. And her second kid was like Rafa, blonde and blue eyed. And by this point, I'd already had Rafa and Iggy. And I was like, oh my God, he's super blonde, like white blonde and super blue eyed. Mm. And she said, I know it's my wildest dreams are coming true. Oh, wow. And I was like, huh. Yeah. But what about your first kid? Yeah, what about why, you? Like, why is that your wildest dreams coming true? Having And look, maybe in Asia it's novel for her to mm-hmm. have, but I just feel like there's something deeper there. There's some conditioning mm. that's gone on there that she hasn't quite recognised. So where do you sit with your race identity now? Like, do you feel – Because I well, can I, can I <laughs> yeah. throw a question out to you? Because mm. when we were teenagers, yeah. it was the 90s, yeah. and if you look at pop culture, mixed race was having a moment. That's a horrible thing to say, but it was, mm. right, like culturally. Mm. It's like how the Kardashians are having – like that kind of um, – yeah, but Revs, in the 90s, it was token. Oh, it's not. It's so problematic. Yeah, it was like the token best friend and yes. the token this. And but I'm thinking about like the music videos we used to watch yeah. and like the movies, the hot girl in the movie. Like, absolutely, it was problematic. It was still all straight white men's stories. And you're right, everything was token. But it was considered very attractive and novel to be mixed race mm. or dark. And I struggled to see that. Yeah. And Until- so from, from the Whitey's POV, I was yeah. like, oh, Gem is so beautiful and exotic. <laughs> I know okay. how it's, it's okay. going to feel. It's just muddy and messy. We, we get messy. Gem's so exotic and different looking and beautiful and she stands out and she's this like mm. glamorous otherness. <laughs> but your experience of that was like, no, I just want to look like all the other As basic bitches. As a kid, bitches. you're just desperate to just fit, fit in. in. And I am someone who pursued acting. Like I want to be on a stage yeah. and stand out and all that stuff in my personality. But when you're growing up, you just want to fit in. Yeah. You want to blend in. You want to be the same as what you see around you. And I've always been a lover of my friends. Like even to this day, I look at my girlfriends and I'm like, you are so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I'm in awe of the people I keep around me. Like I think they're incredible peeps. So it's funny, like when I think about my friends in Asia, you know, I've got a mix of full Asian, full Harvey, like they are some of my favorite people ever. I just wonder how they would have been if they had my story and moved to Australia. Yeah. Would it have dimmed their sparkle a bit? Could they thrive because they stayed in the culture that they were born into? I don't know. I don't have the answer. Mm. But what I will admit, I feel like I am the perfect parent to raise Asian looking kids yeah. in a white society. And you and got given to Yes. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I think that's a crying shame. Yeah. Like I'm like, sometimes I really see bits of my dad in Iggy and I'm like, there's the Asian. Yeah. Like I, I almost wish it was there. Like, yeah. But as a kid, if you were to ask me, you know, what would you want? I would have straight up said, oh, like blonde hair, blue eye. I would be British like my mum. Yeah. And then mm. I wonder if that's where the preferences come with hubs, mm. you know, the unconscious preference, because lots of people like the stereotypical tall, dark and handsome and mm-hmm. dark and handsome implies dark hair, dark eyes. And then I wonder if without realizing I've always been attracted to like sandy, salty, blue eyed. -eyed. Yeah. Yeah, Like if you kind of think back to my exes, they're all Caucasian. Yeah. And blonde (laughs) essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Sandy. Yeah. 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 I don't know. And again, it's not conscious, Mm. right? Like I haven't consciously gone. That's my type. Yeah. What's interesting to me is like, you're doing a lot of soul searching and unpicking at this point in your life, which is natural. You know, mm. cresting 40, you're like looking at yourself. I'm not in cresting 40. Shop. Mid to late 30s. <laughs> you're looking. I'll be 
Look, the day I turn 39, I will still say mid-30s until I turn 40. Great. Look forward to that. (laughs) Absolute denial. And yet you're in a state of decay. You confuse me. That's fine. We're all at this point in life, right, where we're unpicking why we are, who we are. As we've become parents ourselves, we're unpicking the parenting we had and, like, how we came to be this person in the world right now. Mm. And it's totally natural and normal for you, I think, to be like, okay, you're working out who you are in relationships. You're working out who you are at work. You're working out what happiness looks like to you, what kind of mum you want to be. Of course, that's pulled a thread somewhere in your identity discovery Mm. about your race and growing up. Like, so because you're mixed race, there is nowhere that's homeland, you know, like you're Mm. always going to have an element of otherness no matter where you are. And I have always straddled two cultures. Always. Well, now three. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really normal and natural that you have all these questions and I can see how uncomfortable you are. It's like you've probably not ever wanted to face this internal question. Yeah. No, I haven't. And having kids and... But I think kids does something different to you because you become hyper aware of, I guess, inclusivity. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the big thing. But yeah, for me, it's the novelty of people still wanting their kids. It's like you put two couples together. I know many. They hope their kids get the blue-eyed person's eyes without failure. And I can even talk candidly about this. So Sim, friend of the pod, neither of her daughters got her blue eyes. And she's been very vocal to me about how disappointed she is. Mm. And I can objectively say that Sim has outrageously piercing like light, like Mm. those ice blue eyes. And one time I queried her on it. I was like, hey, why do you wish your girls had blue eyes? And she straight up, very candidly, just said, well, do your eyes change colour with the season and the sky and I was like wow it's as basic as that for you and it made me laugh and it brought levity to the topic where I was coming at it from such a dark and layered Mm. very layered and projecting all of my thoughts and feelings on it whereas for her it was as basic as that which was refreshing but it's just interesting Mm. I suppose that that is a point of disappointment for her and I think if one of her kids say her second daughter got them she would have gone she got my eyes like I know she would have and what does it do in a sibling relationship especially when you have two girls where one is brown eyed and one is blue eyed not that the parents would ever overtly treat them differently but I think the subconscious biases come into play and I've also got an example of that in my friendship circle where a friend of mine she's got two daughters the oldest has brown eyes and the youngest has blue and the oldest has a complex Mm. about the fact that her mum and younger sister have blue eyes and she's commented on that Mm. and she's five well this is the other thing is that people feel very free to comment that my mm. sister and I are opposites in terms of palette. She's very dark and I'm very fair and our entire upbringing people commented on it. Right. Like, oh, aren't they interesting how one's so dark and one's so fair? You know, like yeah. as we do, we've talked about this a lot. People comment on bodies or height or whatever, hair, red hair. We've had lots of chats in the Facebook group about, you know, mums with kids with beautiful and very rare red hair. It's always getting touched and commented on and it's like not cool makes them uncomfortable that's like another whole part of this is we've so casually in our culture commented on aesthetics for such a long time I think Mm. we're starting to learn like well it's not relevant and not really cool yeah I guess maybe I'm 
jumping on here in defense of brown eyed people. Yes. A little bit. Oh like, my God, totally. You know, I said to Rafa once, well, mummy's the only one in our family who has beautiful brown eyes. That's right. And she responded with poo colored eyes <laughs> just to like oh keep God, me straight so up humble. Very brutal. And I was like, no, they're beautiful. They're I'm a brown eyed girl. They're chocolate. Um, Thank my you. boyfriend has sensational dark chocolate eyes and in the sun they turn a bit red. Mm. They're like volcanic and I think they're very fucking cool. The thing is, to the person who loves you most in the world, your eyes really are the sole window, you know, and whatever colour your children or your eyes are, they're going to be special and unique and a symbol of deep love and connection to the person who loves them. That's what I think about eyes. Sure. I mean, we can think (laughs) that way in theory, but I can't help but bring it back to the internalised biases we feel. And I guess maybe I wanted to bring this up to for everyone to do a little check-in with themselves. Do I do that? Is that the first thing I comment on? Who am I throwing those kinds of comments on and in the company of who? Mm -hmm. Like what brown-eyed little ear is around to hear that, that subconsciously it erodes at their confidence where they think they're not as worthy or as good. 100%. And look, so we are all sick for the Barbie Mm re-emergence, right? I've been on this bandwagon. I'm excited. I adore Margot Robbie. I think everything she touches turns to gold. But I can't help but wonder, Mm. once again, we are putting the archetype, Mm. blonde head, blue eyed, ideal beauty standard up on a large platform, (laughs) giant pedestal once again, where all of the diverse Barbies are once again positioned as the sidekicks. The supporting characters. Barbie. I I just worry that once again, we're leaning into this narrative where all of the main character energy goes to a blonde head blue-eyed Barbie Mm. and how is that going to impact a whole other generation of kids because I only ever saw myself as the sidekick my whole upbringing or the girlfriend or the the girlfriend of the main character the best friend of the Robin to the Batman like I just never thought it was possible for me to step into a lead Mm. role until I got a job on Neighbours where I learned oh they actually don't care Mm. but it takes that kind of leadership in the industry to go no we're not bothered even though your sister on the show is Caucasian who cares and we're not going to create a backstory explaining why you look different I'm really proud to be an alumni of a show like Neighbours that does take the lead on that. Mm. Well, I'm proud of you for unpacking this part of your evolution. I don't know how I feel about it all. I don't know where I sit with it yet. Mm. I guess this is an opportunity to check in with myself about it all. I think your comment about being really aware about who's listening when Mm. these things are casually thrown around is very important because that gets internalized mighty fast. And as you have educated us today, it doesn't get undone easily. Not at all. So, you know, it's a good check in with ourselves to audit our weird filing that we have on these things. And commentary. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, that was a bit... <laughs> hey, no, seriously, thanks. It's good. I like, don't know. We I've... need to think about these things. I don't know. I felt like I was muddling my way, it's meandering okay. my way through that chat, not really knowing what I was trying to say, but I think you can feel my lack of clarity around yeah. it because it's it's complex. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hit we... me with your nuts spawn. You said hit me with your nuts spawn. Boop, boop, boop. Have I got a knot spawn for you? Hit me, girl. It's another cheapy. Yes. Look, butterfly clips. Okay, yeah, you yeah. Gotta have a few. Yeah, not the 90s little butterfly no, clips no, no, where no. we used to wear heaps of them in a row on the front of our heads like a crown. I'm talking like the big, chunky. A hair claw. Hair claw. Mm. I'm into them. Oh, yeah. I got one. 
And I'm like, oh, this is it for life. For starters. Need one in that shower. Need one yes. in by the pool. Need one in my handbag. Yeah, totally. It doesn't dent your hair like a hair tie mm-hmm. where you take it out and you're like, oh, man. I've got some crimpage. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But it's a vibe. And obviously it's popular at the moment, but it really elevates your elevated slob. Sure does. It does. Add a little tortoiseshell to that slob vibe. Ooh, add yeah. a little add a little pearlized. Mm. You know, like iridescent situation. Add some mauve. Here for that. Pick up the navy in your tights, you know. Just adds a little something, something to your hair. Really good for school age mums, for the girls' hair too, because they can do it themselves and it's very easy to get out the door. Also, I could add to this, I was at the hairdresser recently. I have very fine hair, as you know, and the hairdresser reminded me I'm not allowed to use elastics because of damage. Okay. She's like, see how the fineness starts in the mid-neck region? Oh, my God, is that where you tie your hair up? Yeah. She's like, that's where you put a ponytail in because you have fine hair around Mm. the site of the elastic. It's wearing away. So that's why you have hair fall and half the density of hair from the nape of your neck down. That is fascinating. And I was like, oh, fuck me. That makes a lot of fucking sense. Totally. So I'm all about the claw or the um, silk scrunchie. Yeah, I love a silk scrunchie too. I think it's a great not spawn. Any brand in particular or just like a claw? No, you know, I see it in the shops and like you said, I'm like, oh, that's a pearly one. Mm, There's a terrazzo one. There's a mint green one. Got to have it. Hear me with your not spawn, Rebsy. I've got a potty. Oh, yes. Love a potty, Reco. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's so good. It's like the serious version of us. Yep. (laughs) It's called How to Talk to People. Mm. It's by The Atlantic, so journalists who actually craft what they're going to talk about (laughs) and have in-depth research. But they talk about things like burnout, female friendship, talking to your neighbours, what makes a house a home. Wait, talking to your neighbours? That one's captured me. Yeah, the things about community. Like it's basically just like how to be a human in society, Mm. but it goes into all these really interesting little corners and they have really nuanced, thought-provoking chats about, yeah, how to talk to people. Love this. I listen on Spotify. I'm sure it's on Apple, but it's, yeah, by the Atlantic. So it's like a proper media consumption. How long is each episode on average? Like 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Love that. Bit of a snack in your ears, you know, get you through a walk. That's it. It would get you through a whole walk. Or commute. Or commute. Love that. We love you, DLs. Thanks for staying with us on this one today. It's a really personal one for Gem and I think it's been very eye-opening, pun intended, for me. I feel like I have so much more to say about this topic, but I just need to go and sit with my thoughts. Well, maybe you need to chat to people. I think this will open a lot of conversations in your DMs and, Mm. you know, then it'll help you sort of arrive at a bit more clarity about it. We love you, DLs. We will be back in your ears on Friday for a bestie hotline, squeezing out some dilemmas. And turning them into juicy delemonade. Until then, bye bye. Bye. One of these days we'll have an outro to our podcast.